You're listening to the New Life Church Sunday Morning Podcast. We're a family of believers in Anderson, Missouri that want to experience God in a real way, both inside and outside the walls of a building. For more Sunday messages, upcoming events, or to get in touch, visit new-life-church.net. When I first met Dee, my wife, it was most definitely like at first sight. I don't truly believe there is love at first sight. Because when I look at the definition of love in Scripture, that's not possible the first time you see somebody. There is definitely a chemical reaction. There is an emotional thing that happens, but there is not love at first sight scripturally, okay? The world calls it that, but it's more like like at first sight. And I definitely was in that place when I first saw her. It was like at first sight. And of course, that was based on her outward beauty. I did not know her yet. I didn't know her family. I didn't know her background. I didn't know if she knew the Lord. Uh, I didn't know her plans for life. I I knew basically nothing. In fact, I met her at a small group at church. We were juniors in high school, and her actual first name is Dee Marie. And when we went around the room and introduced ourselves, it was a co-ed small group, which I don't recommend, but (laughs) for high schoolers, a lot doesn't happen because it's co-ed. But anyways, um, at the end of it, I had to go back up to her at the end and ask her what was her name because I wasn't sure. I was like, Dee Marie, what was that? And they had the list where the names went around and the way she wrote it. I'm like, I don't know. So it gave me a reason to ask her, right? I was like, yes, I've got an in. Well, thankfully, uh, I don't know if I tricked her into something or what, and I'm sorry if I did, but she decided that she wanted to get to know me as well. And so just a few days later, we we were able to hang out and get to know each other and progress. And as we did, my understanding of who she was on the inside grew. My appreciation for it grew. The work of Jesus Christ in her heart and in her life broadened my understanding, my perspective of her. And so my love for her grew. And to this day, after 23 and a half years of marriage, It continues to grow as I have opportunities to get to know her better. The more time we are together, the more of life we experience together. And there are several of you in this room who have been married much longer than that. And and I know would say the same thing. That as we truly take that time to spend with each other, to understand each other, to pursue each other, to, to want to learn more about them, Our love for them grows. And in this series of Psalm 23, that's my heart for us. That as we look at this 23rd chapter of Psalm, our understanding of of the Good Shepherd out front leading us, that our awareness, our understanding, our knowledge of Him grows. And as it grows and we realize just how great He is, how He loves us, how He pursues us, that we love Him even more. So that is my heart for this series. So if you're not already there, Psalm 23. Turn there in your device or your Bible. I think we'll have some of it on the screen here today. Uh, But uh, let me do a quick review. Verse 1, week 1, 
It was titled, Who is Your Shepherd? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I have what I need. I am content. And in here, we talked about the Lord being like a shepherd, like the ancient shepherds of old, how he embodied the characteristics, the humility, the the um, taking on even the look of the sheep. He took on skin of his creation by coming to earth as a man. He went out, he led, he humbly went out, came from humble origin. It was dangerous to him. It was lonely to him. All of those same attributes of an ancient shepherd. And we learn how as we understand him and know him and see him move, see him initiate, see him love, see him provide, we can come to the place of knowing that he is our shepherd, that the Lord is our shepherd. In week two, verse two, it was rest for the weary. Anybody felt weary lately? He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the quiet waters. Or in other translations, He makes me lie down in the green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. Uh, He knows best, causing us to rest at times when maybe we don't even think we need it. Or when we're not ready for it. But He knows the path ahead. He knows we need that rest along the way. And how... Not only does he do that in that green pasture provides that place of peace and that green pasture provides that nourishment that we need through his word. It's like the food that we need. Scriptures re-referenced in other places that the Bible is God's truth and word as our daily bread. It's not our once a month snack. It's our daily bread. And the still waters, we also learned and talked about how a shepherd back then would have to carve out a pool because the sheep could not even drink from a running stream without drowning or being able to get a drink. And and the shepherd would carve that out. And God does that for us in our prayer lives. Our part is to go up to the pool and drink by praying. He's, He's provided the opportunity through his death on the cross. We don't have to go through a high priest anymore. He did that. He settled that once and for all. And so he has carved out that pool for us through the cross. We just have to walk up and drink through our prayers. Also in verse 2, he leads us, emphasizing that he is out front. He is leading. He's not driving us like the butcher. He's leading. He's, He's going before us. He's not asking us to go anywhere where he's not already at. And then last Sunday we looked at, uh, I titled the message, For His Namesake. And in, in verse 3 it says, He renews my life. He leads me along the right path for His namesake. Or He restores my soul. And, and when Scripture here in this verse, when He's saying He renews or restores our soul, He's saying to re- he returns us. He turns us back. He refreshes or repairs. Doesn't that just sound comforting? That he refreshes and repairs our weary hearts, our weary souls, and our souls being our mind, our will, our emotions, the the being of who we are. These bodies are temporary. They'll end. They're all on a timer. It's our soul that goes on beyond that, either into the everlasting 
gracious and loving presence of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, or an eternal separation and damnation. And then he leads us along the right path for his name's sake. Not the wrong path, the right path. And sometimes it can feel like the wrong path because things are going on. Things aren't working out how we wanted or how we planned. But again, he's a good shepherd. He knows. He knows better than we do. And the way that we can tell and understand whether we're on the right path or the wrong path, on the right path, we're God-focused. We're others-focused. We can see past ourselves. We have a desire and a hunger for his word. We have a desire and a thirst to drink from the still waters through prayer. And when we're on the wrong path, all we can see is ourselves. Three favorite people, me, myself, and I. And that's all you can think about. You use people to get what you want. That's how to tell if you're on the right path or the wrong path. We're not talking about whether life's going great. Whether our jobs are exactly what we wanted them to be or or our relationships are fantastic right now. It doesn't mean there's not going to be strife as we'll cover today. But we can be comforted in that we're on the right path. That he's leading us. He's right there with us. He's going before us. So if you are able, would you mind to stand with me? Let's read this 23rd Psalm together. While you're standing, I want to make sure I emphasize the for his namesake part. I realize I left that out on my review there. That it's a monument to God. It's for him and him alone. Is there anybody greater than him? No. Is there anything greater than him? No. And that's why we want it to be for his sake. He's not an egocentric God. It's just that there is nothing greater. And if there was, this was done, if we were on these paths for any other reason than for his sake, it would be for a lesser reason. Okay, so Psalm 23, verse 1. Read it out loud with me, would you? The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I will fear no danger. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. Amen. You may be seated. I don't know about you guys, but when I read that out loud, it's just comforting. There's just something settling about that. I hope it is for you as well. So let's step in. Let's wade into these waters, the refreshing, clear, cool waters of verse 4. And look at it. You're like, really, Matt? Verse 4? Refreshing, clear, cool waters? Darkest valley? Shadow of the valley of death? Are you nuts? Maybe I get hit by lightning last night. I don't know. But hey, you're just going to have to trust me on this one. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Or in the English Standard Version, 
Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So this morning, I'd like to break down this verse 4 into three different sections as we look at it. So uh, as you guys who have been with us this whole time, you've seen this painting developing grow each week as we've come to it. And so uh, as, as each week, there's more clarity coming into the forefront with the grass and, and, and different things like that, and even into the shepherd. And, and you can see how he's added the rod, the rod here on his belt and then the staff that he's holding. And then as you can imagine, the storm clouds are starting to come in a little bit. We've got the valley, the darkest valley coming up, and, and it alludes to it up here down the path where there are shadows coming in in darkness. Now, if you appreciate and love art, you'll also notice some foreshadowing in this as well. So for those of you who have had to learn along the way like me, because I have people in my family who appreciate it more than I have most of my life, you can see lighting. You can see some lighting of what's coming. Can you see the lighting? Can you see the lighting on the shepherd? What's coming? You'll have to be here. <laughs> so, three sections of this verse. The first one, let me find my place. I got all excited about that. First, even when we go, when we go through the darkest valley, did anybody catch the word if in that? No, when we go. When we go. The darkest valley or the valley of the shadow of death not only existed in the Middle East for these ancient shepherds that they would be required to lead their flock through, this is also very symbolic for us in our lives and our spiritual journeys here on earth. There will be darkness at times. There will be shadows of evil at times in our lives. And some of you have felt that tangibly and know exactly what I'm talking about. And some of you, maybe not so yet, so much yet. Maybe it's just a hint of a shadow in the corner or something along those lines. You see, darkness is the absence of light. Either the light does not exist, such as in the depths of a cave. If you've been in a cave and you've gone down far enough and then you turn out your flashlight or your headlamps or what, candles, whatever you got, and there's utter, total, and complete darkness. You literally have no idea where you're at. And if it wasn't for gravity, you wouldn't even know which way was up or down. Or darkness exists because something is blocking the light. Something's covering it up or blocking it. Barner Research Group conducted a survey about nine years ago, and it says this, only 25% of born-again Christians believe that there is a devil. 60% of born-again Christians believe the devil is only a symbol of evil. Let me be clear on this. As Scripture is clear, there is one. There is one. 1 Peter 5.8 says it very clearly. 
Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, not the symbol of evil, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. He is after us. We need to be aware of that. We need to be aware of his tactics. He is a murderer and he is a liar. That's in John 8, 44. He is the confuser. He blinds unbelievers' minds to the truth of the gospel. And 2 Corinthians 4, 4 tells us that. He is the deceiver, disguising himself as an angel of light. That's also in 2 Corinthians 11, 13 through 15. He is the tempter. Matthew 4, 1 through 11. He is the accuser. He is in heaven accusing us, standing there accusing us all day long of all the things that we have done. And that's in Revelation 12, 10. The good news, so? The good news? In Revelation 20, 10. The devil's end is determined. His future is set. He needs permission to even act against God's people. And we can take confidence in that in Job chapter 1, where he goes before the Lord and says, well, you won't even let me touch him. Let me touch him. We'll see how his faith is. Let me go after him. God says, okay. That's a scary thought, isn't it? That God let him. Who's to know the mind of God? That he would be that sovereign and allow that to happen. How many of you have ever taken comfort from the book of Job? Well, there's about a dozen reasons right there of hands I saw. And who knows eternally beyond that. Satan has been defeated. I'm going to say that again because I don't think y'all heard me. Satan has been defeated. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Hebrews 2, 14 and 15 says this, Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through the death, through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that's Satan, that is the devil, and deliver all those through the fear of death who are subject to lifelong slavery. He's been defeated forever. Period. However, if we wander off, if we walk and wander out of the protection of the shepherd through our own choosing, we can still be prey. Because in God's sovereignty and allowing us to reject him, it also allows us to love him. Because you can't love without the ability to reject if there is not that option. And that's why free will exists. That's how, how it can exist. That's why bad things happen in this world. Because of sin and because of God sovereignly allowing us to not only love him, 
but to reject him if we are to choose. If somebody, I mean, I, I don't know how, I don't know how to explain this. I just want to, I want you guys to know this, that if somebody can choose to reject you, but they don't and they love you wholeheartedly, there is nothing more special than that. That's how, that's how a relationship between a husband and a wife should be. And that's the closest thing that we can come to here on earth in that. And it doesn't mean that if you're not married, you can't experience that in a single person through your relationship with Christ. But, I mean, I don't know. Your spouse loving you wholeheartedly is more significant than your dog. You know, your dog, your dog just loves you. It's, it's, you know, I mean, unless you beat it, your dog just loves you. And that's a good thing. God, dogs are cool. You know, God created them, gave them to us to enjoy and take care of and all those things. No, we're not getting one yet. But <laughs> it's not the same as if your spouse loves you. There is far more significance in that. Just like for us to love God is not true. It's not wholehearted unless we can also say, God, you know what? Forget you. I'm doing something wrong. I know better than you, God. We shudder to say that out loud, but every time we sin, that's what we're saying. In dark valleys, in the shadows, is not just evil. Sometimes it's just suffering and trials, like it, is, it was for Job. It wasn't because Job was sinning and out wandering off. It was because God ordained suffering and trials to come into his life to grow him, to for his roots to go deeper like the plants. Until today, we're having to go deeper with their roots to have water. There hasn't been that much rain. And, and so the plants that survive and, and make it are the ones that whose roots are growing deeper and they're sustaining it. And it's through the drought, it's through the hardship that they actually become stronger. And that is true for us as well. That's through the suffering, it's through the trial. So by God's grace, by his love, he says, you know what? There's a path up here that's going to be treacherous and hard and narrow. In one false step, you can fall. But that's where we're going. Because you need to know how much I love you that I'm there to lead you and show you where to step. I'm going to comfort you along the way even when your legs are shaking in fear. Because he knows we need to know that. Because if everything's good and dandy, are we going to grow in our faith? No. No, there is not one person on this earth that claims to be a Christian that has any kind of a significant spiritual relationship with Jesus Christ that I respect that hasn't gone through something significant. Because it just doesn't exist. There is not biblical followers of Jesus Christ without those opportunities to have to trust Him. It's everything's perfect and always goes our way. We're not going to trust Him. We're not going to learn that. So there are sufferings. There are trials. How can we be okay with this? Because of the, just the sovereignty of God? 
It's, scripture tells us in other places how we can be okay with this. In James chapter 1, verse 2, to count it all joy when we meet trials of various kinds. Why? Why should we be joyful? It's not like, woohoo, I get another one. This really stinks. Woohoo, throw a party. No, it's not like that. It's, it's a joy in our future hope. It's a joy in knowing that our roots are growing deeper. Our relationship with Christ is going to go stronger, just like your relationship with your spouse. When you're going through a hard time, it can either drive you apart or drive you closer together. What are some of the sayings? Think about even some of the worldly sayings where, you know, having a common enemy causes two people to suddenly be able to get along. Why is that? Because they're going through strife together and all of a sudden they can get along because they feel like they're on the same team and they're going through it together. We can be okay with this because he's the good shepherd and he's leading us. Because without him, things are still going to come. Life is still going to stink at times and it's going to be hard. Would you rather have him out front? Would you try to make it on your own? Here's the other great word in this verse. Through. Through. It doesn't say that's our stopping point or that's our destination. The dark valley and the storms coming in, that's not where our, that's not where our journey ends. It's through the dark valleys. It's temporary. There's foreshadowing of what's coming on the other side. I'm getting too excited. My papers are going everywhere. Second, I fear no danger. So the first section is that we're going to go through this. The second is, is I fear no danger or evil for you are with me. They say it's good advice when you're making a decision to, you know, gather all the facts and the information, to seek wise counsel, obviously to pray, definitely, always to pray, seek wise counsel, gather the facts and the information, sometimes even maybe to write them down, take a piece of paper, split it in half, write your pros and your cons, just to be able to look at it in black and white, especially if you can't agree with somebody on it and you have to make the decision together, let the paper be the bad guy. These are all tips and tricks that people use when making decisions. We see here that David, who penned this through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, has made a decision that he is not going to fear evil or danger. He has come to that conclusion. This was not something he just kind of, yeah, sure, I'll try it. No, this was a lifetime of experiencing Jesus Christ as his Lord and Shepherd through God the Father, God the Son, through the Holy Spirit, being with him through the good and the bad and saying, I will not fear danger or evil. And this isn't a rebellious or a prideful statement like I ain't scared. This is, I will not be afraid because I know who is with me. And he's got me. Can we say that in our hearts and our minds right now? 
that he's got me. If we can't, we're not here. We're out here wandering around, trailing behind. We're not enjoying the nourishment of the daily bread. We're not drinking from the cool, clear waters through our prayer life. There was a quote I saw this week and it said that God is more concerned with our character than our comfort. He's more concerned with who we are becoming and who we are turning into and growing into than how comfortable we are. Parents, we should be the same with our kids and hopefully are that we're more concerned about who they are growing up to be come than whether or not they would rather play video games all day or hang out with friends or be on social media all day or whatever. But we want them to learn to be productive members of society, so we're going to ask them if we're doing the right thing and challenge them to do things where they're not comfortable, that they're not going to necessarily like. God is the same way. It's because we love them. We're doing this. God is the same way. We're going to go through these things for our betterment, for his sake. Psalms 18.2, David illustrates and explains this even further. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer, my God, my rock where I seek refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold, do you think he's getting the picture? Look at all, listen to all of these nouns, how he describes it. My rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my rock again, where I seek refuge, my shield, the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. David knows this. Isaiah 43, 2 is God's promise to his people. It says, I will be with you when you pass through the waters. When you pass through the rivers. They will not overwhelm you. You will not be scorched when you walk through the fire and the flame will not burn you. Our third section this morning is your rod and your staff. They comfort me. There's other equipment an ancient shepherd had that I also want to bring up here even though they're not specifically in this passage as I feel like it's vital for understanding God as our shepherd. But first the rod and the staff. The rod... Here, on the side of his belt, was basically a a long stick, probably out of olive wood carved. The end of it would usually be a little thicker. And the rod was used to clear paths through thorns and thistles and different things like this. And it was also used as a weapon, if needed, to protect himself, protect his flock from thieves, from robbers, from predators coming in. It was multi-purpose. The staff could be used also for sure footing to, to lead and guide and walk with, but is primarily used for the hook on the end. And the, when a sheep who wanders off thinks that the grass underneath the, the thorns and the thistles and the bushes looks way more tasty than what's right here that he's providing and gets himself caught. 
and he uses the staff to snatch the back of their leg and pull them out. I bet they don't get pulled out without scratches, though. Reminders of when they wandered off. Just like us, God forgives. God loves. God redeems, but it doesn't mean there are not scars or wounds from choices we've made to wander off. The rod and the staff, they comfort him. They comfort him because he knows he's going to rescue him when he was stupid and wandered off. It comforts him that he's going to come after him when he wanders off because he's his and he's loved. The rod comforts him because it's protection and it also helps clear the path ahead. A shepherd also used a lamp and a sling. And sometimes they'd have a flute, but I want to highlight the lamp and the sling. The lamp was nothing like our modern day flashlights, but it would be like a flashlight to us today. It was an accordion style. Think of kind of the Chinese version is similar to that. It was a skin and they would light the wick inside, probably some wax or some oil bowl or something, and they would carry that and it would light the path right in front of them. And this was used, they rarely traveled at night, but this was, he had this so that he could go get the sheep that were lost. So at the end of the day, and they're bedding down, and maybe they're in the stronghold with another shepherd or two in their flock, and they're there, and he's, he's looking around, and he's missing one. And so he carries this. So he can go find him, even if it's the dead of the night. Luke 15 is the parable of the lost sheep that many of us know and are familiar with where he'll leave the 99 and go after the one and it's not saying that he's just going to let them to just be on their own. What happens to them, the 99 that he just walked away from? No, they're in protection of the fold. They're in protection of other sheep, shepherds at the time. And he goes after the one. God's word in Psalm 119, 105 is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. When those temptations hit you square in the face and you just can't seem to not give in, have you memorized any scripture that helps you combat them? Have you taken the time to study God's word and his promises and looked back over your life where he has been there for you time and time again to set your anchor in that and trust him? The slingshot is also something that they used and where obviously David is very familiar with this, a classic story of him defeating Goliath with the sling. Shepherds were very skillful with the sling. Um, in fact, I would love to see an archery contest between Jeremy and uh, some of the other guys in the church and maybe an ancient shepherd with their sling. And I'm, it would be, I mean, obviously they wouldn't have the same distance as a modern day bow or anything, but for accuracy's sake, it could be pretty compelling to see who was more accurate. Um, they were very accurate with their sling and the sling would be used for enemies at a distance. Who knows what God protects us from on a daily basis through the prayers of others, through our own prayers that we never see or even know about. 
and at a distance, our good shepherd is protecting us. The sling was also used to keep sheep from wandering off. There'd be times that one of them would be out here, me wandering off over here. The shepherd would be like, really, again, Matt? Come on. And throw it just past their head and land it to scare them back. So sometimes we experience things in life that are hard. Feel like it's just going to wrench your guts out. And it's God's way of saying, come back to me. I'm still here. I'm still leading you. Come back to me. Don't keep going down that path. I am not there. The Lord is our shepherd. Verse 1, he provides for us, nourishes us through his word and through prayer. It's in verse 2. He leads us. He doesn't drive us. It's in verse 2 as well. Verse 3, he renews us. He leads us on the right paths for his name's sake. He is with us. And he comforts us. Last week I asked you the question, how is your soul? And your answer is based on how close to the shepherd are you? Are you at the back of the pack? Are you wandering around? Are you right behind him? As close as you can be. How is your soul? It's my heart for you. If you don't know him, I so badly want you to know my good shepherd. Not for my sake, for his sake, for your sake. This isn't a a religion of do's and don'ts and, and working and earning. This is a relationship. It's a relationship where he initiates and leads and guides and loves and we respond appropriately our daily bread our prayers and as he fills our cups up and it overflows we're going to not help but want to love those around us because that's his heart there, there are lost sheep everywhere. And his desire is that not one would be lost, that they would all be found. So if you don't know Jesus, our good shepherd this morning, make these words yours. Lord, I can't do this anymore. Lord, I realize that this life, I've made it about me, and it needs to be about you. Would you forgive me for that? 
Lord, I know that there is nothing I can do to earn my salvation whatsoever. Nothing. But it's because of you. And when you went to the cross and you sacrificed yourself in willing submission and took on my sin and owned it like it was yours even though you were perfect. And you defeated death. You defeated Satan arising again. And so, Lord, I surrender my life to you. Maybe you know him, but at a distance. Maybe he's a speck down the path. Would you draw near? Would you also confess? Humble yourself before him? He will welcome you back with wide open arms. And yeah, we'll have valleys to go through. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to set you up for failure in this. But wouldn't you rather go through all this mess with him out front than try to do it on your own? Heck, we can't even get a drink without his help, right? <laughs> Please grab me if you've got more questions about this during the meal this afternoon. Or Tony, or Jeremy, or... Donna or Mary Lou that you saw up here earlier or other leaders, Kurt, Gary, uh, any of the other leaders that stood up, please, we would love to chat with you more about this, more than, more than eating delicious hamburgers and hot dogs and desserts. Pray with me. Father, Thank you for this beautiful chapter in your word of just the reminder of you being our good shepherd. Lord, I know as I prepare this each week that I need this more and more each day. And I pray that each person in here would have that same desire and that same hunger. And as we'll hear from you in the coming weeks about what it's like to be right at your feet and not in the back of the flock and the foreshadowing of the lighting and what's in our future the hope of our glorification with you in heaven so Lord each person here God you know you know intimately you know what's going on in each of their hearts and their lives right now Meet them there. Show them how much you love them. Thank you for our time coming up, a fellowship of uh, some handouts for Vacation Bible School right after this, Lord. Thank you for the food and the hands that have provided the food, Lord. Let our time of worship just continue in as we fellowship and look